Hello. Good morning, Imbal. Hi, good morning, Michael. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So, uh, of course, I'm calling because we're about to release your episode of the podcast. Yeah, great. The other, uh, I, I listened to uh, the other three. They were re- really wonderful. Well, thank you. So, during the recording of the show, we mentioned you were expecting. And since then, you have some news. <laughs> Congratulations is what I should say. Thank you. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, how, how has life been? Um, pretty good, actually. We just came back, even though it was raining, but we took advantage of the, and uh, the rain was stopping. So uh, we went out and we did the walk. Uh, he's enjoying the walk in the stroller. I can put my equipment and taking pictures. And my three-year-old have a Polaroid camera, so he's taking pictures with me also. So it's, it's quite a, an adventure. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so uh, are there any... Things coming up for you in terms of shows or, or anything you've seen that you'd like to recommend? Yeah, well, uh, starting this fall, I will finally start my residency at the Camera Club of New York, the Baxter Street. Uh, so I'll spend a lot of time at the ICP scanning, and I have a, a lot of a meeting scheduled with American military family during the fall to take pictures. And then I will have the solo exhibition at spring. So I hope to see you all there. Oh, absolutely. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for yeah. calling in and, and recording this with us. Yeah, thank you, Michael. I had a lot of fun, and I hope that people will enjoy listening to it. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. No, it's great. All right. We'll talk soon. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Right, so here we are back oh, at Watson. Oh, we've been recording for like five minutes. Oh. Yeah, so. <laughs> it just tricked us. So it's right. That's why I didn't say anything <laughs> incriminating. Yeah. Okay. So we're here with Inbal Obergil. No. Abergil. <laughs> Maybe I should say. Go ahead, guy. Inbal Abergil. Oh, there we go. <laughs> And uh, today's co-host is Kai McBride. Hello, yes. Kai. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> my This could either be my first time on the show or my return, depending on how these get edited together. Right? <laughs> well, no, you will know Kai from his podcast by uh, now. So, Imbal, you're here um, over the summer at Columbia as part of the... Photography Thank Summer you, Intensive. There it is. <laughs> right? You're teaching. Yes. Yes. What are you teaching? Well, so I'm teaching the... Uh, theoretical uh, parts um, of the cl- of the class, um, more like uh, critical issues, kind of subject history of photography, and then um, technical wise in terms of walking in the dark room or digital printing and uh, taking pictures, lighting workshop, lighting, right? Thank you, Kai. <laughs> is this is this the first summer you're doing this for the summer intensive class? Yeah. Okay. How's it been going? It's been going great. We have a great group. Uh, we have great, talented 10 students, and uh, it's working very well, I think. Uh, it's the first time for me. Uh, they are already a pro. This is like the third year, right? Yeah, this is our third year of running the program. Yeah, so it's a so six-week intensive program where we have them for five days a week, and it's definitely intense. Yeah, yeah I think uh, the show will be open tomorrow, and I think we'll have a great show. It's a, there's an end-of-the-program show. Yeah. Right. 
you live in New York, yes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, in Harlem. Yeah, I love the neighborhood. I think it's it's a great neighborhood. Just like an Israeli, she's not telling you who her, where she <laughs> exactly lives. Like a hundred. No, oh, never mind. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, if you send me something like a present, then uh. I should. <laughs> Provide the exact address. If not, yeah. Harlem. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, well, why don't we jump right into that? You are from Israel. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, born yeah. and raised. I was born and raised in Jerusalem, and uh, I left actually Israel when I came here to do the master in 2009. So you did all your schooling in Israel, including uh, undergrad. Yeah. Undergrad, right? Yes. So where did you go to undergrad? Well, uh, I have like a different kind of a story because they, I really wanted to be a photographer. I didn't have the opportunity as a, you know, as a teenager. Uh, so the military was my first uh, kind of experience. And I joined the Air Force and your, I was a your photographer. Your first experience as a photographer? Yeah, I was oh, a photographer okay. in the Air Force. Right. I mean, everyone serves in Israel. Yeah, everyone right? have to serve and uh, women serves two years. So I did my service as a... Air Force photographer. And do you stay on as a reserve? Is everyone kind of a reserve as well? Uh, not women. Men mm. are. But uh, I didn't have to do it. So, so what was it like photographing in, in the Air Force? Uh, it's pretty amazing experience, actually, because uh, uh, you get you know, to have sides of photography that I think you will never have in any other way in terms of like taking pictures from the air or like uh, taking pictures for... Of course, um, surveillance, <laughs> <laughs> things that I cannot really actually speak about if I'm thinking about, but, uh, you know, uh, whatever pictures sometimes that you take and then uh, come those that look at the images and ask you to enlarge like a dot and then you discover that it's actually an airport or emission uh, storage or do you get to keep like any of those photos or no no no, no. <laughs> I didn't think so no <laughs> and if, if I did I would never say <laughs> now what do they ever have you go out and like photograph uh, you know important events like oh a general's gonna be at this party oh yeah of course I was in a big base that a lot of uh, different kind of like you know officers from uh, all over the world came, came to visit and also in my base there was the a school for uh, pilots, so you needed to document their stages because they started as 200 and then maybe 50 graduate, and uh, and then the ceremony, of course, that it's a big event, and um, uh, visitors that come to the base, whenever there is accidents, you have to come and document so they can use the photograph for that. Uh, like, you do all kinds of different... Uh, like public relations photography. Yeah. So it was pretty interesting, and you get also uh, to get out also and get some you know professional experience and uh, workshops and things like that, and come back and then like uh, practice it again in your base that you serve. So, so that was your primary duty then as yeah. a photographer. Yeah, and everything was like in the dark room. It was black and white, and wow. yeah, uh, it was pretty. We're not talking about that long ago either, right? I served 95 to 97, so, mm -hmm. yeah. It's so that's two years, yeah. right? And then you go to college. Because it's, it's right out of high school that you serve, yes, right? Yes, at the age of 18. And then I decided that photography, it's, that's what I want to do, actually. So I went to Adassa College uh, for three years. And Adassa College is 
if you compare it to a school in Europe, let's say it's like Dieseldorf in Germany. <laughs> it was just photography, like 45 hours a week. Uh, you learn chemistry, physics, everything that relate to photography. Uh, you start the first year, you have to buy a medium format camera. You cannot start with 35. Um, and you have to walk in black and white. And then from the second year, you can choose color and 35 and other mediums. But the large format and the medium format is like a, a must. So again, it's like a very intense kind of a program. Um, you learn, the, of course, uh, also history of photography and things like that. But uh, after I graduate from Odessa, I really felt that I also need like a background in art in the history of art. And so I went to another <laughs> school called the Midrasha and the School of Art. And usually here people call it the other school because nobody can yeah, say, I was pronounce it. <laughs> I was going to say that the majority of the grad students that I meet who come here from Israel all went to Betzalel and everyone's like, Betzalel, No, actually Betzalel. not the majority. A lot. I, come on. The majority no, come from Betzalel. If you want, we'll, we'll put we'll a list yeah, yeah, and on. you'll see the majority Betzalel. is Betzalel. not Betzalel. from Betzalel. Betzalel. I actually went to Betzalel for really? about six months. Oh. See? Yes. <laughs> proof, proof. There we go. It just, right. it just because people know how to pronounce Betzalel. And ah, that's it. So that's the one that stacks in your head. But no. most of us came from the Midosha. Uh, great school, uh, by the way. Also near Jerusalem? Or? Uh, no, it's near Kfar Saba. It's a different, uh, it's a so different the city. It's north or the south? It's near Tel Aviv. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's a different kind of... Uh, it's a... The special thing about the Midrashah that is different from Betzalel is that it's also education. It's education and art. So you also learn how to become a teacher. Mm. Uh, so once you graduate, you will have something to do <laughs> and like a way to make a living. And, uh, and then you, can, you also practice your art, of course. Um, and then when I, I, I graduated from there, there I, you know, I went and studied painting and drawing and printmaking, everything, sculpture. But I, I. When you say study, you mean you actually did painting? Yeah, yeah. I, okay. Like practice, went to classes, and I had to show <laughs> all the other mediums except photography. But uh, at the final show, I showed photography. Like that's, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. Because it's a, a place that prepares you for teaching. Is that why it emphasizes all of the arts, or is it a school? Yeah. In general. So when did you, you, the Air Force was the first time you got to practice photography, mm -hmm. but when did you first become interested in photography? I was always interested in photography. What, I, what's always? <laughs> uh, well, to tell you the truth, I don't have the regular story, like nobody gave me a camera at the age of nine, or <laughs> I didn't get a brownie, or uh, nothing like that, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I always saw photography since younger age. My father uh, was actually a guard in the museum, in the Israel Museum. Uh, I, as a little girl, I used to go with him to walk. So I had the opportunity to, you know, to go through different spaces in the museum and see the art. Of course, I didn't understand really what I'm seeing. I just was excited about it. I didn't have anyone to talk about it. Uh, but uh, it was exciting and it was always around me and we always grew up you know when art is around us because the museum was more like my playground in a way it was always around but I could I think since the military it was the opportunity to actually practice it and take it in a more serious way right I think uh, Kai and I started out using cartridge cameras right yeah, yeah that's right I had a uh 
cartridge camera when I was in first grade. So yeah. Yeah, I, re- I remember having a a one ten uh, in elementary school, and I my first photography project was to photograph a tree in front of our house every season. <laughs> To mm. show it, nice. how it changed nice. every season, and that was in Florida, so there weren't a whole lot of changes. But <laughs> nice. It was subtle. Well, it's almost like Israel. So, do you remember Not the really. kind of work you were doing early on? Uh, yeah, it was just like documenting, you know, like uh, family times and like. Um, friends no, not really something that i thought about as like subject matter or something like that just life so okay okay yeah. no 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 <laughs> but so, yeah. no, oh okay there we go uh, so i never now, have this problem when an evil's here <laughs> great uh yeah so we covered uh, early stages going to school then going to another school and then that wasn't enough you're like okay now i've got to go to yet another school right so did you immediately apply to graduate school after no i actually had the uh, i graduated and then i had a solo exhibition in tel aviv and uh, while i had the exhibition a lot of people you know reach out to me and talk to me about my art and I found it hard to, you know, people come and do name dropping and things like that. And you understand, um, I understand that, I understood that I'm missing a lot of things and I should maybe, you know, uh, educate myself even better. So I went. So you mean they were dropping names that you didn't, you didn't get the references. They were saying like, oh, this reminds me of such and such. And you didn't know who they were talking about. Is that what you meant? Um, Yes. But also like in terms of like how to speak about the art itself and also how to even when I'm working on a project, how to take it even further to the next step and uh, just get also like critique from uh, other artists that are not necessarily photographers. Hmm. That was mostly my community back then. So when did you think to apply to grad school? Oh, I applied to grad school after I graduated from the Midrasha. And um, again, I I showed my work already. And um, Israel is a very small country. (laughs) And you can do a lot, you know, while you are there. Uh, There is a great art scene, but it's very small and pretty much you know everyone very quickly. Sorry. Uh, so um, I decided to apply to Colombia and come here. And uh, only Colombia? I think yes. I think I did apply only to Colombia. Yeah. Did you yeah. know other Israelis or other people who had applied and gone through the program? Uh, well, I heard about Guy Bener, of course, and uh, I met with Guy Bener in Israel. He graduated from this program, I think, in 2008 or something like that. No, earlier. Earlier? Yeah. He was very sweet. We met. He, we talked about the program. Um, I talked with other people that were learning, uh, came to do here, the master here, but in different school, like in Boston and things like that. And did you know Tom Roma before you applied to the program, or did you meet Tom um, once you came here? I heard about Tom. I didn't know him. I, I just know, uh, saw just one book of his, of the Sininga, and I really liked it. Uh, and once I met with him, then, you know, I got to know him much better. So that's, on, that's on Three Pillars. Yeah, On Three Pillars. Yeah. Thank you. And how did you see On Three Pillars? Just a book. Someone showed it to me once, mm. and 
since then and I remember I remember some images that stick with me and I really appreciate that walk. So you've been here uh, a few years now. Mm-hmm. Do you plan on staying? Well, as long as I have something to do here, <laughs> yes. Um, I'm about to bring my second boy now uh, here. And really through the children, you learn to appreciate the place even more. You know, for them, this is home now. So just so the listeners know, she doesn't mean bring her second son over on a boat. <laughs> she means the second son's in the room with us right now, right. just in utero, <laughs> just to clarify. Yeah. I'm pretty far I'm along. <laughs> yeah, supposed to give birth any day. <laughs> we Actually, uh, I think I heard you weren't sure you were going to make it through uh, the program this summer all the way, right? Um, well, no, I, I knew... My first one came very late, so (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have anything to worry about this one because my due date is not here yet, so, Um, but I think through my son, I'm discovering this place in a new way also, so. How so? uh, Well, it's like having a completely second childhood in a way, because it's not the place that I grew up, it's not the stories, it's not the, the songs, like I'm learning everything from from scratch so uh, and it's pretty amazing and uh, also in terms like he didn't visit Israel yet so you know Israel is just like an abstract idea for him right now so culturally he's growing up more American right yeah now. much more yeah even though we are trying to keep the Israeli do culture speak, at home. do you speak Hebrew at home yeah just Hebrew yeah. my my husband is also Israeli so we speak Hebrew at home did you meet your husband in Israel? Yes, we came here uh, when I we, when I came here to do my master. We already were were married and for quite a while. So, does he want to stay? Does he talk about going home? He... Uh, no, I think we are. We both feel that we have things to do here, professionally wise, also, and uh, we are happy as long as the uh, you know we'll keep have the visa. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the great challenges. Uh, and I get to see this a lot working with the graduate students year after year, especially when people come from a place that's very different than New York or coming from another country. Photographers have to photograph, and you've got to be out in the world unless you have a studio practice alone. So what were the challenges of landing here in New York where it was everything was pretty new and then trying to come up with you've got studio visits every week and you have this new challenge to produce work while you're here. How was that experience? Well, uh, my uh, walk is mostly about memory, identity, time, uh, um, lost all the pain, uh, uh, of course, that come as a result of war. When I came here, um, immediately I relate to those kinds of subjects also. So the monuments here was were something that completely struck me. And uh, I start walking on uh, taking pictures, documenting uh, monuments all over the East Coast, uh, speaking about, you know, the relationship, how we treat monuments in Israel and then how it's happening here. And it's something that I have learned that I don't need specifically to be in a certain place to speak about those subjects. Like I, I don't necessarily need to be in Israel to take those kinds of pictures. And that's why I'm keep on like tra- tracking for other places like my res- I did a residency in Northern Ireland and I'm seeing how they're dealing with conflict and lost and war. You're and speaking about the uh, nothing left here but the hurt project yeah. and mm-hmm. is that an ongoing project? 
It's the one part that I finished, and then now I'm starting the second part of it, and it's called uh, Next of Kin, uh, NOK, and it's actually about the military, American military families that lost their beloved ones in combat. And I think you wrote on your website, and your website is... Uh, my name dot com okay. <laughs> invalabletil.com okay we'll have that uh, posted in link so you know Thank how to you. spell it <laughs> but I think uh, you wrote on your website that one of the differences between the way we memorialize here and the way it's done in Israel is it's much more figurative and specific to a person here and less so in Israel um, yes because the monument here are figurative everywhere that you see them the first abstract monuments that you have here is actually 9/11 I noticed that I was thinking about that when I was reading your description and I then it's not really it's right. it was uh, you know a result of terror attack uh, so that is the recent the most recent one uh, where while in Israel our monuments are usually abstracts uh, but the idea of war is not uh, just an idea. You live it. There is, a, there is a siren. You go down to shelters. When you fight, you look back, you see your home. Uh, it's not happening in a different country. Our monuments are usually not like a public place that you come and sit and have your lunch. It's not in a park. It's usually out of the city or like in like a different kind of an area. And you, we go there only on Memorial Day, pay our respect, you know, put flowers, things like that. Memorial Day is very sad day. Everyone stands still for one minute. We never go in and do barbecue or it's not, we don't think <laughs> about don't it. We go shopping. <laughs> we don't have sales. <laughs> Uh, and we don't think about it as like a, a day off, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's also because everyone needs to serve in Israel and because everyone is almost knows someone that know, right. that lo- lost someone. So, And then the celebration actually begin once the day is over and then the independent days come after. So then it's the time to actually celebrate while you just recognize, you know, the price of it the day before. And, and all of this informs your work. Yes. Mm-hmm. You were talking about war and, and, and what's going on currently. And I, the, the other, you had the other project of bus stops, right? And yeah, the bus stops actually was my first solo exhibition, the one that I had in Tel Aviv that I told you about before. And um, um, there was the first time that I actually started to deal with the monument uh, because uh, there were bus stops that were a result of terror attacks and uh, the family that lost their beloved ones there started making the station as a monument, put up flags and flowers and pictures of their beloved ones and uh, kept maintaining the station in that situation. So whoever needed to wait for the bus waited outside of the bus stop. Everyone thought that that will be a temporary thing and it will be disappeared after it will be done, you know, maybe after the year of grief. Uh, we have like this, the Shiva, seven days, and then 30 days, one month, and then the one year. That's how grief process is going in the Jewish tradition, uh, religion. But uh, it kept on going even after that year, and uh, they are still being maintained like that. So, um, so each one of these stations becomes very personal memorials. Yeah. And also you know, make you think about when you take the bus, the bus is still the most uh, popular public transportation unless you have a car, so everyone needs to use the bus. So you started photographing the monuments when you were here, and that wound up being your thesis project, right? Yeah, I had a lot of great studio visits during Colombia and a lot of feedback, and uh, also Thomas, Tom Roma introduced me to the writer Brian Turner, and he is a former Afghanistan 
warrior. He went to Afghanistan and came back and wrote uh, a beautiful book called Hear Bullet. And uh, I took the title of my walk from one of his poems. And I had the chance also to meet with him and tell him about my next project. And he was kind enough to introduce me to other people. And this is how the way uh, things got progressed. Was he on your thesis committee? No, I oh. wish. <laughs> no. My thesis committee had like great people, but not... Uh, the uh, Nothing uh, Left Here But The Hurt was nominated for a pre-Pictet Photo Award, a mm-hmm. pretty well-known international photography award. Mm-hmm. What was that like? It was quite an honor and quite a surprise because I didn't know about it. it just sent me an email one day and like said that the walk is being nominated. Um, it actually was a great honor because uh, at the same award it was on Lee and Robert and uh, Robert Adams and. Uh, it's a pretty prestigious list. Yeah, and and I was uh, very happy that you know that the the walk got out in that way and that it's been nominated for that kind of award because I think it's a subject matter that maybe not been talked about enough or uh, thought about enough in a way uh, especially in the uh, art world when I did that project and I remember in the beginning the reaction were like what are you doing like <laughs> who's taking pictures of monuments what's wrong with you why you came to Colombia <laughs> don't waste your time but uh, <laughs> But I thought that it's important enough, and that's why I keep also, mm-hmm. I'm still interested in it. All right, so as usual, we are on location. You're probably going to hear all kinds of uh, construction noises and things. But I, I was asking, uh, who were your early influences in photography? Well, in the beginning, when I started to learn uh, the history of photography, uh, it was hard to appreciate, you know, everyone's work uh, as much because you just saw it. It was in the 90s and the Internet wasn't, you know, and that great. You're back still going then. to uh, bookstores and libraries. And <laughs> yeah, but also uh, not a lot. We didn't have a lot in Israel. Uh, I remember my uh, teacher that uh, was teaching us uh, like history of photography, always telling us whoever is going abroad, some some country doesn't matter, come back with photography books, please come back. And she would take pictures of the books, you know, with slides. And then this is the way that she showed us walking in, cl- in the classroom. Did, so did you have a photographers pro- visit? Because I know when I was there, there were actually quite a few photographers who who would come through Israel and visit and do lectures. Uh, but that, I mean, that was Betzalel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I. Uh, yes. um, but you haven't you haven't given us a name yet. I will. I will insist. I will insist <laughs> to make a list afterward. And okay. We'll see that the best of us came from the middle. Oh, the best. Um, but um, I'm sorry. What was your question? Right. <laughs> <laughs> name of a photographer, an early influence. People who may have influenced you early on. Yeah. That's so all. of course, uh, I. You know, I appreciate and love the work of Eugenia J and Walker Evans and uh, and Gettys. <laughs> no, no. Where did that come from? <laughs> I'm just testing to see if she's, you know, throwing out real names. <laughs> but uh, I think I related to a more artists that have like conceptual bodies of work like um, uh, I wouldn't say uh, Gerard Richter is a photographer but uh, he has f- photographs and he paints on them like the thing that uh, you know that he, you can do from a photograph like what how you can actually explore the the 
the borders of the medium itself. So uh, I love uh, Horatio Sugimoto's work in the studio and outside. It's like, I, re- I appreciate, you know, re- like hard uh, kind of work, uh, black and white and prints. And yeah. Your um, movie theater work was a fairly conceptual piece. Yes. Yeah, and that came from uh, Wim Wenders, of course, influenced uh, in his movies. And uh, uh, in that body of work, uh, there was a lot of like uh, the idea of what I'm doing, and then a lot of surprises that came out through the work because you're going to movies that I went to movies that I put the limitation of just see them once with a medium format camera with one roll of film, so I don't have a lot of chances and. Uh, seeing the movie through the viewfinder and uh, make long exposures because the only source of lighting was from the screen. And then it become like a chase for the image itself that I didn't even saw while I'm taking the pictures. Right, because you're not really watching the movie as, as much as you are photographing. And I could actually make the edits and choose the images only after when I'm walking in the dark room. And those were in actual theaters. Yes. Yeah, in actually theaters in Israel's while again the the things outside were very hectic and I bought my escape uh, tickets in the price of the movie tickets of course and just choosing American Hollywood romantic movies that I wouldn't go necessarily and um, just choosing them by the title. And of course, there is the gap of translation because the names of the movies in Hebrew, it's not the name of the movies in English, of course. And uh, choosing the moments when nothing was really happening in the movie. It's like when actors are in silence or standing still or thinking, and there isn't any discussion or conversation between the actors. So I won't have any subtitles in my frames. It's very isolated. like. From comedies, it become very dramatic kind of a series of uh, single images uh, floating in black space, in a way. And you had a show of that work here in New York, right? Yeah, it was in uh, Miyako Yoshinaga Gallery in Chelsea, and uh, it was great uh, to show my work there. Again, being exposed to completely kind of a different audience than Israel, trying to explain where this need come from. Uh, why to escape for the movies. You, you used escape twice. You mean, you mean escape from what was going on outside that movie theater? From reality, yeah. Mm-hmm. From reality outside, from buses blowing up, from, you know, losing life and uh, and just from difficult, intense kind of uh, life that you have to live outside of the movie theater. <laughs> so um, now you're living in New York and you teach at Columbia, and uh, you, as you said before, you'll, you'll, you plan to stay for as long as there's work to do or things to do. Yes. If, if you left, would, would it be Israel that you go back to, or are there other places you would you consider w- living? You never know. Like today, uh, today, I know that it's not necessarily if I'll, uh, that I will go back to Israel. It could be that I will move to Europe or any other place that it, it will be interesting for me to explore, to... Uh, raise my kids to, you know, discover myself, and it's not have to be Israel. Israel is a very difficult period of time right now, so it's very difficult to think about home like that, and 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 everything that is going through uh, through the out the years, and things are not really getting better. So we'll see. <laughs> when when you were here at Columbia, did you? Uh, 
see or believe or feel a kind of um, difference in how you came to photography as opposed to someone who maybe grew up here in the United States, how they came to photography? Um, well, it's, um, I think there is a big difference uh, just because you're here. Uh, even I had that trans, uh, transform in terms of like just having the museum and galleries available for you. And, you know, where, while you uh, being recognized for a... Uh, introduce for someone's walk, but your walk, you just go to the gallery and you actually see the walk. You don't see reproduction of the walk. You don't see it just uh, printed in books or in a website. You actually can go and meet the artist and see the walk. And and it's a big difference to grow up, uh, you know, taking the children to a museum <laughs> and actually talk to the artist and uh, just uh, see it in a poster or something mm. like that. So... Of course, there is a big difference, and just hearing from Kai also, sorry, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> just hearing from Kai about his stories, you know, and people that he met throughout the years that he was growing up here, and into, um, even just coming here and meet with Tom, you know, and then being able to go to his dark room and see how he prints and see his walk and how he's thinking about photography and the hard work that he's doing every year and things like that. It just it's it's a big difference than just hear the name and just look at you know, someone's walking on the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a part of that has to do with being in one of the cities, though, like being in New York, right? So, I mean, certainly, like, in my childhood, I I don't remember how many places I ever lived that had a museum. You know, I didn't have... It was more later in life where we had access to those things, and it is... It does change and sort of spoil you in a way to have access to all that. You know, of course, we all have friends who come to visit in New York for like you have a friend who's in town for a couple of days and she's going to try to go to all these cultural institutions but um, then you live here and you're surrounded by it and you get spoiled by it and you're like oh you know maybe I won't go does that show up Eh, I've seen that work before or something like that right so there is something about being in New York and that it alters your perception of what's going on in, in in the creative world, you know. Well, I'm. Uh, I guess I'm not allowing myself to be that spoiled because I still feel that it can run out. Time here can run mm-hmm. out for me, and uh, maybe it's my last. It's my last chance. Uh, so whenever I have the chance, I I will go. I will see. I really run out, and you know, make the effort to see it. Um, I just. I I never feel that I'm that la- like I feel. I, I, I am lucky that I'm now in in New York, but it doesn't still feel that I have the luxury to have it all the time. Right. I still feel that it will be over one day. So we know your father was a museum security guard. What about your mother? My mother was a seamstress, and it was amazing because uh, it's also a kind of art for me. Uh, you know, she sew our clothes, and uh, we always help her, and she would bring, you know, uh, the magazine Bermuda, uh, it's European one, and you had like all kinds of patterns of clothes, and we'd open the the table and put the patterns and go. Sorry, we choke <laughs> to do the the patterns and the, like if it was a shirt and a pants and then cut it. And for for those of you wondering so. what those noises are, Imbal is sewing in the air and cutting and making patterns. With we are hands. always sick with he- the hands. <laughs> like I can't just sit still. Uh, so. Uh, it was quite amazing, uh, uh, but whatever I said, I want, you know, teach me how to sew or something like that, you would say, no, it's hard work, you should go and, you know, 
uh, educate yourself even more and uh, choose something that will be easier. And when I chose photography, she said, you couldn't find something that would be easier than <laughs> photography. 90% of the time you'll carry your equipment. It's so hard. Why you do that to yourself? But, What did your father think of you becoming a photographer? Uh, he wasn't really approved of that. He didn't understand why you need to go and study photography. He thought that you can teach yourself. Kind of just do it. Yeah. Uh, but my mother always was there for me and completely understand it and pushed me even farther and always told me, like, if there is something that you you want to do, you'll do it. It's like there is no question about it. Nothing can stand in your way. You'll find a way. Are your parents still with us? No, unfortunately. Okay. Sorry. Did they, how, did they see you get through college or your undergraduate years? Yes, actually. Um, it happened just before I came here to Colombia. So I had quite a while. Did, with him. Did your father ever kind of come around on, on you being a photographer? Or? No, no. Uh, he just didn't understand beginning why, you know, because I came to ask for the tuition. <laughs> but, uh, but of course, I, I did it by myself. So, But pretty much, you know, as I said, uh, my mother was mostly there for me. And I had shows and, and things like that. And she was always proud. And uh, there wasn't any issue of mm-hmm. like not supporting or something like that. Right. <laughs> did did, um, did they ever express uh, ideas of what maybe they wanted you to pursue or follow? Of course, like every parent, <laughs> medicine, become a lawyer, become a doctor. Like this is the pride and joy. I don't understand why, but it's also hard. <laughs> money, money and prestige. <laughs> you can brag. It's bragging rights, you know. Yeah, well. If you see in most movies, I know this will probably come up in this podcast over and over, but in most movies or TV shows, you know, the photographer is also the creep, you know, like in the corner staring at people. Or the doctor is the hero saving the life of the little girl or whatever. Are you, you know? saying that's not true? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that, you know, no, one, no, no parents can be like, oh, yes. Well, after I graduated, right? <laughs> yes. I graduated from Adassa, I immediately find, uh, found work. Like I was assist for the photographer, the most well-known uh, food photographer in Israel. His name was is Nelly Sheffer. And is, he was also one of my great influences. So um, he, because he was that well-known, we worked with the uh, chef uh, Israel Aroni, and immediately we, show, we were on TV, you know, and things like that. So my mother was proud seeing those TV shows. And we were, they were like kind of a celeb, of course. And so uh, it was a, a great opportunity to work with them and being exposed to that kind of work. But it's not the main thing for me. <laughs> The food photography, yeah. Food photography is great. (laughs) It's the best. You eat the best food ever. You meet the best people. Like chefs are great people. They just want to give. They just shove food to your mouth. And and they are so warm and kind. So it just was a a pleasure to work with them all. So you you knew you wanted to teach because of the the college you chose, Mm -hmm. right? And then you chose Columbia, which also emphasizes teaching as well yeah right so do you see yourself doing that yeah um, I really would like to find like a full-time job (laughs) (laughs) and you know just concentrate on one school instead of running around and but uh, I think it's a great uh, part of my work also to be connected with students and uh, it's very isolated to be a photographer yes you have your community to maybe show the work and discuss about it but pretty much you work by yourself all day and to have students and being exposed to 
a, you know, a group that you are working for a semester and then students return to your classes also for a second or third one. And you keep in touch and um, you always, they teach you a lot, you t teach them back. So um, it's, a, it's a great community and I, it feels less, I think, uh, lonely than just being in your studio create the work. Where else have you been teaching? At uh, Pace University, um, and I've been in um, an artist uh, visiting an artist at Harvard University uh, last winter. So it's, it was quite a great experience. You started to talk about uh, Northern Ireland, and then I think we got distracted away from it. But do you want to talk about that a little bit more? I, I think one of the interesting things, and maybe not everybody knows it, is that. They, that's another place in the world where you can see Israeli and Palestinian flags flying everywhere, right? Is that the two sides have sort of adopted those as uh, flags to talk about occupation and everything else. So did you see some of that while you were there? Yeah, in Northern Ireland, uh, the residency that I had there uh, was, uh, again, an amazing opportunity. And residency was also one of things, uh, the things that I thought about. Should I, I go and do a residency? Because how can you take your photographs? Usually it's not your place. It's not. Um, but it's actually like winning the lottery <laughs> in a way because you get a place to stay. You get a, a studio space to walk at. And then you get a stipend to keep you, you know, keep your walk going for like three months. And um, while you are there, you being introduced to a great community of artists that walk in completely different way than the life and race in New York. And you hear from them how they deal with this conflict of uh, they are Ireland, but they are in Northern Ireland, a part of Britain, and uh, how some of them still want that independence and they fight for it. And some don't uh, mind that they are part of Britain because they get support. and uh, But still... Uh, they have the peace process and uh, still it was feeling sometimes on the street that anything that you can say or something can start everything up again. It was very intense. You could feel tension. tension. Yeah. yeah. And also on the street, the monuments there are everywhere being maintained, well maintained. Everyone wants to tell the story. Like you couldn't even forget about it for five minutes. Uh, you see wall everywhere. You see the flags everywhere. A lot of signs of conflicts and uh, choosing a stand. The house that I was staying in <laughs> was having an Israeli flag right in front of it. Wow. And uh, I asked the Gail, she's the director of the uh, residency, if she put it <laughs> especially for me. <laughs> and she said that she didn't even notice it. Like It's that, it's always there. So why, I think- Why was it there? Because uh, the Britain side, uh, chose the side with Israel, so they mm. put in Israeli flag, but then you can cross the street and then it's the Protestants, the Irish, uh, and they put in flags of uh, Palestine. So, so it's just showing the, the sides you identify with. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the kind of spirit that goes on in that neighborhood, let's say. Oh, okay. And uh, not necessarily, you know, someone can live there, but mm. they, they don't want to be part of it. but. And this is how it goes. And uh, it's again, it's very tense. And as you, as an outsider coming to that place and notice all of that, it was very intense experience. Uh, you just cannot think about like, 
you know, again, just all this war, and of course we went to laundry, dairy laundry, and seen, you know, Bloody Sunday and the museum there, and how people still live it, and um, all the monuments that they have there, that being kept, and and everyone is just once you are saying that you're from a different country and you're visited, they want to give you the tour and explain everything to you and make sure that you know really what happened. But there is two stories, two sides to it. It's so interesting. I mean, we're, we're talking about basically two places with the most dif- some of the most difficult conflicts in the history of the world, right? And is, is there any kind of identification with Ireland and Britain and Israel? Do you see any, is there any experience like that? No, there isn't at all. And, and uh, I'm not quite sure also why they chose sides, you know, uh, either with Palestine and Israel in terms of like uh, a lot of things that happen now in in Israel, Britain is not supportive of that. So I think it's more symbolic, you know. It's yeah, like one feeling like you're an occupied country or not, and that by showing those flags, it's also not the flags of the actual countries you're in. So it's somewhat neutral in a way. Like you know, you're not you're not flying, you know. Yeah, I think it, it's like a, it's a proxy. It's a, it's a surrogate. Yeah, yeah it's right. a proxy. And it's just that I don't know if the Palestine, let's say, will uh, agree with the Irish people that yeah, it's the I, same I kind so. of like situation. Really idea, or, right? or uh, actually, there was another artist that were walking uh, that was in the residency, and he was from Syria. And uh, I never had the opportunity to meet the artists from Syria because I cannot travel to Syria, and uh, they cannot come to Israel. Uh, so it was amazing to have that commu- uh, channel of communication all of a sudden. And when we walked, you know, in Derry, and they were talking about losing thousands of people in on Bloody Sunday, he was like, you know, it was still going. It's still going on in Syria, and the hundreds of people are dying every day, and it's today, and you know, nobody is doing something about it. And he he is actually in a situation that he's refugee. He can go back to Syria and he's stuck in Europe without a visa. And and we were talking about Israel and we talked about Syria and it was a quite amazing experience. And that's why I'm saying that I can find myself also in different countries just mm-hmm. because the world is so open and you can expose yourself to so many other things than just if I would live in Israel. What were the uh, monuments like in in Ireland then? What were they more figurative, more conceptual? You know, they, are they on a grander scale? Uh, they actually uh, they have ca- quite a variety. They uh, they have a lot of like uh, wall paintings in terms of like actual figures, you know, with guns and like it's a kind of a scene from a war. Uh, but also in their monuments, they always place you know the faces of the people that died at that. A place uh, they don't like it if you'll call it like that it's terror uh, mm. or something like that uh, uh, they see it as a war too in every aspect it's more like a in a way like gardens but you know there are there are fences and like you there are special hours that you go through and again nothing like here and nothing like Israel <laughs> Um, but they are everywhere. Like you cannot even cross one street without thinking about it. While if you go in Tel Aviv, I don't know. You know, if we, if someone doesn't know where they walk, they won't even think about the war or something like that. I think one thing that'd be worth talking about is this. Uh, people use the word practice or discipline or 
something about you know a personal approach to making photographs and you spoke about uh, being attracted to other artists who had a conceptual uh, background like in your work you're uh, like you don't for example the New York school of photography of you know getting the camera walking out the door and you know running across people that's not really your practice right you've got you're you often are working on plans that might take you know months or even years to come to fruition where you get the opportunity to make the photographs so there's a lot of uh planning to do i know you used to have a studio but i don't think you have one anymore right now right so do you want to just talk about your how you think about making work or coming up with uh you know projects and ideas and how that might be different than you know walk out the door with the camera kind of technique yeah, I'm a, I have highly appreciated for those photographers that just go on the street and taking pictures, you know, I can find those kinds of moments. I'm not carrying the camera with me. Um, it comes from an idea that I'm thinking about, something that is interesting for me to explore. And then it's involved, as you said, a lot of, it can take years of research, like my uh, current project just to meet, to break that uh, border, that wall between me and the American military families uh, that sees me as a foreign completely, you know, and why should they show me anything of their personal belongings? And uh, meeting with those families took a lot, a lot of time uh, in terms of meetings with other people, uh, foundations, um, presenting my project, my ideas to other people that will trust me and then introduce me to those families and then from their families, other families that introduce me to other families. And uh, and those are a lot of meetings with no camera. You're just going and No talking. camera, a lot of talking, a lot of talking about uh, former uh, bodies of work of mine and explaining my work of process and how I'm thinking and how I'm working. And a lot of reading also um, uh, about the military, how it works, uh, about medals and like representation and symbols of war. And uh, uh, so sometimes it's uh, just, you know, just a lot of emails and meetings and research, but at the same time, I'm always working on other projects. Like I never just have one project that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. But while I'm I think getting- that's everyone, right? You have to have like- Yeah, you I have to have something yeah. to keep taking pictures and then while you uh, get to the point that you'll have a show then everything stops and you focused on just one project because you have to give all the time and effort to just that one and uh, until the show is done but it's usually a couple of projects that goes at the same time and also with the military family when uh, I didn't have any connections with military families yet I decided to do like still life in my studio so taking four by fives taking pictures is something that is available for me and mm. making the project a life which so you, you I, was, I just wanted to back up what project are we talking about with the military family it's the, my most recent one mm. and okay oh okay is that on your website no not yet aha that's why I didn't know okay <laughs> <laughs> not yet yeah but so you imagine maybe that those still lifes could work into the project with yeah could yeah. be I I don't know yet but uh, because as it is the, uh, the the whole project at the end it will be about objects so and medals are part of them so it could be that now you mentioned shows and getting you know having a show be an impetus for stopping and working more seriously on finishing up one idea for an exhibition but a lot of us who have gone through Colombia and 
partially maybe the attraction you'd mentioned seeing Tom's book and you know uh, Tom has that amazing seminar class which I assume you took at least once did you take it twice twice yeah, yeah twice the same <laughs> so did I and uh, a lot of the emphasis on the idea of books right and you mm-hmm. mentioned trying to get books in Israel and uh, this access to books. Do you imagine any of these projects winding up eventually as books? Or oh, do you yes. think the exhibition, because like, I'm thinking of your your thesis show that wound up being this gigantic grid of these large prints that would, might be hard to translate onto pages. Like, Yeah, that was an installation of like 14 by 16 feet of 81 photographs from ceiling to floor. But uh, I definitely think about the book format. Uh, I have... Uh, Another project that's uh, named All That Is Alive Pass and All That Is Dead Remains that will be as a book format for sure. That's what I'm working on now. I edited it for a book. But I really want uh, an okay to be a book format also. And I see it in a couple of volumes, not just one, because it will uh, explore uh, not just recent wars like Iraq and Afghanistan. It will be also from like Vietnam and the Korea and uh, even war, uh, Peloponnesian, <laughs> World War Two, <laughs> <laughs> and and those kinds like so. I ha- I still have a lot of work to do. So, right. well, we have a funny book story we were just relating the other day, right? Yeah, yeah. You have the funny book story. <laughs> I didn't have that luck yet. <laughs> well, no, no. Maybe you should tell the story about the Atje book. Oh, <laughs> what is well, this? Maybe you should tell it and. <laughs> How I'm about you start? In, yeah. I, I will interrupt in the middle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Should I start like that? Kai stole the book from me. <laughs> Please, let's hear this. <laughs> Under my nose. There is a well-known uh, a book stand in, in, on the street here in, at Columbia. It's 112, right? Yeah, the guy sets up on the side. Well, maybe I shouldn't say where it is. Yeah, the other exactly. one down there. <laughs> but... Uh, he had a, a beautiful book of Ajay, of course, as I said, he was one, one of, of my... One of the four volumes, that, the John Tchaikovsky book of Ajay's, yeah. Yeah, and Ajay, as I said, he was one of my, still one of my influence. Uh, but uh, I was a student, I didn't carry, you know, cash with me, so he told me $40. and Which is very inexpensive for that book, it usually goes for like 125 or something like that. Yeah. And I said, okay, we'll go out and, you know, take some cash and come back. I didn't thought that it's in a rush of like, you know, I have to run for it. And I came back, he said he sold it already. And I was like, what? But I went out to me. I said, sorry, you know, I didn't know if you'll come back or not. I sold it. I said, okay, well, maybe it shouldn't be my, I don't know. I went to, I had, it was on my break. I, and then I went into 30 to Tom class. And I sat down there and Tom was talking about books and special editions and things like that. And he said, yeah, and Kai was just on the street, bought the J book. And I was like, what? (laughs) Standing up in class, this is my book. He stole it from me. (laughs) 40 bucks. Come on. That was amazing. Yeah. And Kai, do you still have that book? Of course. Yes, I (laughs) didn't even offer it. No, but you know what he did offer? He said, go to Strand. They have the whole volume for $500. You can buy that. So so generous. Of you, yeah. <laughs> look, I, I needed that book, and, uh, and uh, I think he was set up like right across from my ATM. So the lesson here is you should get Chase, get the Chase Bank because the ATMs are everywhere. Yeah. Well, don't even bother looking at books if you yeah, don't yeah. have cash exactly. on you. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
but that was uh, that was six years ago, and Imbal, it's like fresh, like it just happened yesterday. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, because guys keep coming and tell me stories about the amazing kind of deals that he found, and never tell me about it, right. and never uh, think it about me. It doesn't help that he walks around with that book, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> didn't even brought it to show it to me you know and go through it but never mind of course no yeah. but who thinks about those things it's just that Kai like to remind me that even in here now from all the things in the world he wants to talk about that yeah rub it okay. so what are your plans for the rest of the summer uh, well, as Have I said, yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm expecting my baby any day now. So that will be uh, the main focus this summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see. But I'm also a resident in the camera club of New York at Baxter Street. It's a great residency for one year for photographers. Great group. Love them all. And the end of the year, we each and every one of us will have a show next year at Baxter Street. So I will work on my solo exhibition for next year. Uh, how did you get to know this place? Well, the Camera Club is a well-known uh, you know, place that's been established by Alfred Stiglitz. And they always had great uh, shows and uh, they had a great place to, uh, to print. Uh, they had I guess, a dark I room. Guess best, how, did, how did you get involved? Um, just by going to opening, see the space, you know, uh, get to know people there, and they have their application every year, and I thought this time that I should apply, and uh, I got accepted, so. Great. Yeah. It's great because you get, like, uh, each and every one of us gets three months out of the year, and you get a stipend, and you get to use the facilities at uh, the International Center of Photography at ICP. So uh, you can print and uh, scan and things like that. You get films and paper also. And it, it's a great community. We have critiques. We meet for critiques and, and discussions. And uh, and as I said, we have exhibitions. So it's a great opportunity to also, you know, elaborate my circle and not just stay in the Columbia group. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Are you working digitally at all? Um, just when I'm doing commercial work, not from my own fine art. What I'm, kind of commercial work? As I said, food photography that I used to do or uh, uh, things like hatchet or something like that that someone needs. In my in my son's school, they wanted photographs for the end of the year. So those kinds of... We're not uh, talking about paying jobs. No, no, no. <laughs> they, they did a yearbook, you know, for the pre-K and things like that. Uh, so just things that you need the images immediately, not something for my... I, tr- I go out of my way to try to um, avoid telling people I'm a photographer <laughs> so I don't get roped into things. Yeah. <laughs> well, I should start thinking about that. <laughs> Maybe we need to cut that part. <laughs> <laughs> Some people don't. Yeah, Imwell is available for uh, high school portraits, yeah. uh, headshots. Uh. No. Do you uh, do any work like that, Kai? Do you ever get involved commercially? Or no, I, I the, the last commercial job I did, I was at. Uh, I was still a student at the museum school. I think I, maybe it was my last semester there, and uh, a woman called the dark room where I was working at the at the uh, counter, and she was about to have her a senior recital, and she she was a cellist, and she wanted photographs, black and white photographs of herself in the city with uh, like graffiti in the background, you know, like an edgy thing or whatever. And so I 
photographed it with four by five for some reason and did this whole thing for her and processed the film. I think I got $50 for it. And she, of course, she chose, I thought, like the stupidest of all the pictures of herself. <laughs> like, you know, that was the most, you know, whatever. Anyway, so that was it. I was done with uh, doing commercial work after that. If that even counts as commercial work, yeah. Well, sometimes I just knew uh, I wasn't interested. Right sometimes now. it pays very well, so yeah. it's a good kind of resource. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, having said all that, I just, I just realized I... I I just volunteered to do a, something for someone for, for no money, but it's a good cause. It's called uh, Bob's Boxes, and it's um, uh, some neighbors of ours uh, started this organization. Rebecca Weiss actually started it, and um, it's, it's care packages for people undergoing chemo and, and oh. things like that. So uh, I did some uh, product photography for yeah. her. Yeah. Well, it is a good cause. Yeah, yeah the, I just did a head, not a head job, I just did a portrait for someone who works at my local coffee shop who's an amazing illustrator and she had her show up and I went to her website and she had just a terrible photograph of herself on the website so I traded one of her illustrations for you know you should nice. learn from Kai as I said we should all learn from Kai of course he will trade something right. yeah, yeah. it will never yeah. be for free yeah. No, no, much better oh all right I think we did it great yeah. Was there anything? Thank you for um, having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for for taking the time to do this. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to promote upcoming? Anything like that? You said you're having a show with a yeah. It's club? Too, it will be 2016. I don't know mm-hmm. when yet, but okay. uh, it will be sp- the spring for sure. Right. Um, At the Baxter Street Gallery. Yeah. There. Yeah. That's a nice space. Yeah, it's a very nice space and great crowd. So I recommend everyone. Are you, uh, I know, we, so we have the website. Are you on social media as well? No, that's the one thing that I'm not <laughs> taking part of. Um, Actively avoiding social media? Yeah, trying to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that I really don't have time. I think right. with uh, one baby on the way and mm-hmm. another one that I have and life and walk and uh, just that I think it's too much to track everyone and see what everyone is doing right and the the most you know the friends that you do have the the good best friend they, they they are always in touch you always know what's going on with them um whereas i know uh, like a lot of people are now creating like twitter accounts when their baby's born you know so like lock in the name you know no they <laughs> lock in the name yeah yeah <laughs> so later on when they grow up you know they can make sure they have their the proper twitter handle I just opened him uh, an email account. That's the ah. I send him emails with stories uh, of things that happened and things like that. Right. So it will stay on record. But I don't know, uh, you That's know, once idea. they will yeah. they will grow up, if they will ever, uh, yeah. if, they, if there will be still Gmail or something like right. that. Right. I, I started email accounts for my kids, too. And mostly I host my own domain name. So it, I wasn't really worried about anyone else taking it. But I use it for registering. But it's also a great way to have a, an historical record. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything that happened, so I'm sending him an email with pictures. So mm-hmm. It's oh, been in record. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, when the second kid comes along, that all changes because you know, <laughs> he won't be an only child. It'll be like all about him and his brother and his younger brother and how great yeah. the younger brother is. Right? Well, hopefully I will keep him. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, uh, I, I, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, the last thing I want to mention, so a good story to go along with the, my bad story of stealing uh, her book, <laughs> was that 
Inbal was also my TA the for first semester, and we had a great time together. And so yeah. we've been friends ever since then, wouldn't you say? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, we had the best uh, cake for the end of the semester. Oh, that's right. From a great student. Yes, a student made this incredible cake. Donut, right? Yeah, it was in the shape of a donut, but it was a cake, and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. because every time that you get the bell in the class, you have to bring donuts. So yeah. that was the... That's right, the donut roll. And yes. it was amazing. It was yeah. an amazing class, and it was a great experience for my first semester well, here. Now we have to explain the donut rule, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe Tom will explain it, how I'm he came sure up will. with we're, it we're during his podcast. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's photo one tradition. Did I don't know if Tom... I think Tom did it at other places before Columbia, but he certainly has been doing it the whole time he's I, here. I think the rule has evolved over the years. Okay, so basically it's the donut infraction. And if in the course of speaking about your photograph during critique... You bring up anything that can't be seen within the photograph. If you have special information because either you were there or you know something about the people in the photograph. For example, if you say, oh, well, that's my cousin and blah, 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 blah. And there's no way to tell that's the cousin. One of the TAs rings a bell, which rings out throughout the classroom. And everyone that like, was me. Yeah. <laughs> and, and everyone either cringes or is in delight because uh, if they're cringing, if they're the one it was rang against, and they have to bring donuts for the entire class the next time the class meets. So that's why it's the donut infraction. It's to punish you for not remembering. It's not, and Tom's always pointing out it's not a financial punishment. It's, it's a shame. It's to be shamed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's well, public to be specific. Yeah, yeah, public shaming. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's a good note to end on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shame. Shame on you all. <laughs> well, thank you again, Emma. Thank you. And thank you, Kai, for, uh, for co-hosting with me today. Absolutely. And I'll work on my radio voice. Oh, you've got a great radio <laughs> voice. Come on. <laughs> all right. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Okay. Well, thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out thephotoshow.org. The photo show is all one word, where you can find images and links to the guests that we've had so far, as well as other ways to listen and follow the show. Bye. (laughs) 